0: Podcast hosting for The Run With It podcast is provided by transistor.fm.
1: Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney.
2: I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Arthur Revechkist. Thanks for having me on. Arthur has worked in data modeling for years. And after that, he was a partner in a chain of dental practices, which he ran for 10 years and then sold his share of. Since then, he's invested in real estate, fast food restaurants, and is now writing and recording music and hopefully going on tour in the near future. So Arthur, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
3: Arthur, you sound like a modern-day renaissance man, so I think <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun to be able to pick your brain on this new business idea. I hope I can live up to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. We'll save some time at the end to talk about some of your current projects, which I you know your your music is something that you're very active with right now, but this podcast is about a completely new business idea that you have been so generous to share with us, and now you're mm-hmm. going to get to share with our listeners. So we'll start out by asking you to tell us about a problem that you were seeing in the world today
0: so the problem came about after I sold the shares in the dental chain I invested in a handful of passive income kind of things some of which you mentioned at the top and I decided to spend a bunch of time writing music and performing and I started by going to a bunch of open mics around New York City and Brooklyn and Manhattan and Queens and I ran up against this thing where I didn't really love any of the open mics that I was going to. I mean, there were some really nice scenes in terms of the people that were running them who were doing a great job and it, you know, they made you feel warm and comfortable. But in terms of how the open mic sounded and the equipment and the ability to record stuff and the consistency of it, and you know, also the ability to use that as a platform to be able to get some shows, I didn't feel like there was anything that, checked all those boxes which is something i really wanted I, you know i wanted to be able to walk into a place and see an artist grow you know go to an open mic and be terrible and come back and be terrible and then you know i come back month after month and get better and better and better and then you know eventually somebody that's paying attention is able to say you know what we want to give you, you know, a 30 minute show 45 minute show and have kind of artists Come up that way, you know, and have a way to improve. So that's kind of what the idea is centered around. It's this kind of lack of stepping stones to kind of get to a viable performance schedule for an artist.
2: Yeah, you mentioned just the process of a musician changing and growing, you know, and I think people are becoming more aware of it with like shows like American Idol and things like that. Yeah. But even those shows are kind of highlighting the polished, you know, professional that's already got to the place. But there's lots of great stories like Charlie Parker, you know, one of the foundational saxophone players in jazz history, playing in his first gigs, and the drummer pulls the cymbal off of the oh, drum set, throws story. it at his head, and just, yeah, yeah. you know, like, get out of here, you know?
0: Yeah. I and mean, you spent a year in a watershed.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there, and, and that is part of the magic of the process of how musicians get started is like watching them. Oh, and Bob Dylan too has an interesting story of. Again, like going, he was on a scene, maybe going away for a little bit, coming back. And it was like, oh my God, what happened? And it's like, he made a deal with the devil at the crossroads, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a Robert Johnson story too, that the famous guitarist. Sure, yeah. But it's like, yeah, one day something clicks and they get it and that's a fun part of the story. So I like this kind of idea of trying to incorporate that a little more in the process.
3: Yeah, I was kind of surprised To see this come across, I mean, pleasantly surprised, but surprised because I wouldn't have guessed that this would be a problem. Can you tell us more about what are some of the gaps with the way that the system currently works? I know you had mentioned the acoustics of the room itself, and you talked about the other benefits of having this in place, but it seems like an open mic is a hip thing to do, and they're all over the place, and it sounds like a lot of people do get started through open mics. Is that not true, or is that
0: just not enough of them? So, I think it's totally true. First of all, I mean, you know, there's certainly a Sidewalk Cafe, a place in Manhattan that I did a couple open mics at. A handful of people have come through there. I think Regina Spector was, you know, really, really big in that open mic. Sidewalk closed down a month or two ago. But that was a good one. But I think overall, it's difficult for a bar slash venue to invest that heavily into an open mic and not hedge with it being. A bar, and bailing on it if it's not being particularly profitable that day, that month. You know, there's a lot of inconsistency. Some open up, some close down, like pretty regularly. There are some that have been going for a long time. Jalopy Theater is a good one. Pete's Candy is a good one. But even with those ones, I just I never felt like an opportunity to be able to get all these boxes checked. Namely, I want the venue to be. Part and parcel of this idea of this open mic scene, you know, versus a bar that on Tuesday nights will sometimes have an open mic. I just really want it to be just an entire unit with the sole focus of this idea of being for independent artists and promoting independent artists and watching them grow, like you were saying, Ethan. And giving them an opportunity to come to play in like an excellent sounding place with good equipment, have an opportunity to record it and have some demos done. And that kind of thing doesn't quite exist. That's not to take away from, you know, the charm and the other nice things that come with some of these other open mics I've mentioned. You know, I'm not interested in replacing them. I just don't think the thing I'm envisioning quite exists and would have the benefits that these other places don't quite have.
3: I see the need from a musician standpoint of having a place to develop. One thing that you said that stuck out to me is it's not always profitable for bars to be doing this. And they may mm-hmm. run it for a little while and then they shut it down or transition it to just being a bar. Which makes me think, well, is there really enough demand from people who would be going to these events to be able to sustain a business around
0: this? Yes, that's obviously the $100,000 question or million dollar question. One of the aspects that I think would benefit and help offset some of the costs, I mean, on its own, it still functions as a bar when there's not music necessarily, right? And it'll still function as a venue. So I think if those kinds of things are run well and run efficiently, they can be profitable. Another revenue stream that I think might end up being valuable is I want to be able to broadcast all these open mics in a tournament-like fashion on YouTube and make it kind of a reality show that's happening every year. So I don't know if this is the right time to get into this, but what I'm envisioning is having an open call, open mic, let's say every Monday night or maybe every Monday and Tuesday night, depending on the demand, which I think there's a lot of demand. Like I said, I've been to a handful of open mics, and some of them get super, super popular, and some of them don't get popular at all for a variety of reasons. But the ones that get super popular let you play one song, so you'll have 50 people in a room playing one song for a four- or five-hour stretch. So I think there's definitely demand. I think when you combine the support that these people might have from friends and family, As it's being broadcast to YouTube, I think there might be some revenue stream options there. So you have an open call on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, something along those lines where you have anybody coming to play anything they want. I think I would keep it to original material versus covers. And then you have somebody who's the host of these open mics asking a certain group of people to come back, let's say Wednesdays and Thursdays or Thursdays, again, depending on how many people. And we kind of work our way down to a tournament that, uh, you know, ends in a large show, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, that the winner would get something really nice, like a free recording for a record or maybe an EP. In an ideal world what I would really, really love is to be able to partner with somebody like Spotify. I think Spotify would be an excellent partner for this kind of program. Because they certainly represent themselves and their brand as kind of independent artists, and they give people the opportunity to support themselves with their own music. And I think it would be really, really nice advertising opportunities for them, and it would support their brand. And I would love to open like one of these in you know a handful of large cities. So I'm kind of speaking all over the place uh, <laughs> to answer your question about profitability, but I think there's a demand from artists for a product like this, and I think they would support a venue like this. And I think, other people who don't necessarily know about open mics but would want to support these kinds of things and want to support independent artists if there was a place that was you know really all
2: dedicated to that, I think there would be some support from people as well and and all of that would drive revenue I think what's interesting about this is the juxtaposition of your history and this and and also just our general what we 've done in the show so far we've done a little bit of various things, but A lot of the business direction that we see, you know, Chris and I in our day to day, we're looking at business projects. It's like, what's the pain? How are you going to solve it? You know, somebody's got, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a law, it's a dental practice and they need to just, you know, make money or something. And you solve that marketing problem for them or whatever, you get everything set up for them and you make things happen so that somebody else can make more money. And it's like very clear and cut and dried. And there's a certain type of entrepreneur that's very good at that. And then there's a whole other type of entrepreneur I forget exactly the word. It's like a Spanish word, but it's also an English word and they're all mixed together. And it's like impresario, right? Like the Spanish word for entrepreneur, it's something like impresario. I forget it was. Maybe we'll look it up. And what that actually means is like somebody who puts on a production. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there's this other type of entrepreneur, Uh, which we don't often talk about for whatever reason. It's more complicated. There's a little more like mystery around it, but it's the same type of entrepreneur that starts American Idol. It's like nobody was sitting around like, "What pain are we solving by creating American Idol? Uh, is it boredom? Is it that existential angst of just wanting to follow something interesting?" Nobody <laughs> really knows, but yeah. th- it's true that there is something there, right? We have an intuition that if you can create a good story, if you make it exciting enough, if you can have those genus quoi ingredients to it then it Mm -hmm. can become a viable business. It's more mysterious, but it could happen. And I think that's what's going on here. Like you would need to make this like a larger scale entertainment project. I like the fact that it has something new about it. Meaning, you know, oh, all of a sudden it's an open mic that's being streamed to YouTube. And that's like a new thing people can get excited about. They want to see what's going on. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's definitely going to take some interesting thinking for us to actually figure out. One, to prove that it's profitable, figure out ways to make it profitable ways to get it started yeah. on a budget, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's also yeah.
3: Well, to that point, it makes me think about the flip side of the earlier question I'd asked. Why do some of these places close down? Flip side, you mentioned a few of them that are thriving. What are they doing mm-hmm. well
0: that is allowing them to thrive? I think they've developed the following through consistency and just not letting up. So the jalopy theater is actually an interesting example because they have all sorts of stuff surrounding music, right? So they give lessons, they have concerts, they have open mics, they have an entire community that surrounds this situation and supports it. Pete's Candy, they're a bar, like a fun bar to hang out at, independent of the open mic. But, you know, they have like a unique vibe. It's in that sidecar. Have you guys ever been to that one? I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I don't think so. It's like an old subway car kind of vibe in the back that where they do the open mic. I think it's been around for a really long time. They have a unique vibe and it's been around consistently, I think is probably the vast majority of why they're still around. But I think you, think like you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, I don't think this is an idea that would make somebody a millionaire. I think this is an idea that I happen to be passionate about and I think would be a cool addition to any larger city landscape of independent artists. I think for sure it can be profitable, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the kind of thing where you're going to open it and then open, you know, a hundred more and retire to tired of Boca. Uh, I think it's the kind of thing that's a bit more of a passion thing where you have to really want to be
2: involved. And I think there will be enough profits to make it worthwhile. Right. I think that one of the keys here is not like, can you make millions and millions and millions, which it could turn into a big thing. There's a chance at it, but it's like, can you make it profitable? Can you make it self-sustaining where it's enjoyable? Something I like to talk about a lot is like, there's other types of capital besides dollar bills, right? Like for sure, intellectual capital, political capital, just like community capital. So there's a lot of value in just having something enjoyable going on in the community. And you can get a lot out of that. Absolutely. One thing I've been wanting to do, and I'm just going to do that here is call out an existing business, which I think is doing something similar. They're not doing the YouTube side of things, although who knows, maybe they are. But it's actually in the comedy space, which I know that Chris mm-hmm. is actually interested in comedy as well, so he'll, he'll probably mm-hmm. be interested to hear about this. But there's a venue in New York area and it's called The Creek in the Cave. Are you familiar with it? I am familiar. It's in uh, Williamsburg or Greenpoint, something like that. Yeah, it's over in Long Island City. Long Island City, and they have a terrible piano, by the way. I don't think they ever tune it. But (laughs) (laughs) most open mics have the worst pianos. Yeah, yeah. there's a woman that started it. I forget her name, and they really created a very interesting community around comedy. They literally have Mm -hmm. two different stages: one upstairs, one downstairs. They literally have multiple open mics almost every night of the week, and then Mm -hmm. they also bring in some of the bigger names. Mostly when they want to do kind of like they want to test out the material, you know, so it's either a cheap or free show. But you see a big name comic and they're trying out some of their new stuff, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, they've got a little taco bar, you know, and you can just go in there as a restaurant and get tacos and get some Mexican food. They've got a bar downstairs. They've got pinball machines. And there's a lot of stuff going on to make sure that it's a profitable operation i'm pretty yeah. positive that it's profitable but you got to be creative with it and it's almost like yes you're going to make some money off the musical aspect um, maybe the entertainment aspect of it but in order to make a business like this work you want to kind of have like it's almost like don't put all your eggs in one basket have some other ways of revenue generation
0: for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's true i heard of that place i haven't actually been there yet but i've definitely heard of it and a fair amount of Open mics that I go to, they let you do stand up or music. And I've heard some of the people who do stand up talk about how that's kind of the spot in New York City to go do stand up. And, you know, if you're a new person, I'd want to make something similar to that, except kind of even more centered around the music part. And But that's a good comp. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I like that example. I went to a comedy show this past weekend and I was thinking about it because, kind of by definition, as people are getting better at this skill, they're not good at it to start, right? And we talked about this a little bit, the music. And there are people out there, I would consider myself one, who appreciate the craft of improv comedy and are willing to pay to watch people who aren't great at it to support it and be a part of that journey. But a lot of people aren't willing to do that. I'm able to drag my wife every now and then and corral a different couple. Uh, once a month or so to go to an event like this. And I'd say that it's definitely funny still, but it's not something that I can imagine that they would seek out on their own. So the question that comes to mind for me, and this is a long preamble for this question, can you find enough of that, your true fans, to use Kevin Kelly's term, to be able to support this business in its own? Or do you need to Expand that to the general population and be able to attract them with things like the pinball machine or food or other things. You need to be creative to get those other people in order to support a business idea like this.
0: So, real quick before I forget, is there any better feeling than getting in on the ground floor of a brand new stand-up or brand new musician, like being able to say? Oh, that person's on TV. I saw them at an open mic when they were terrible. What a lovely feeling it is to be able to like watch somebody grow and get better. And also, a nice benefit of seeing people that are just starting out is it gives you a different appreciation for people who have become good. It lets you really enjoy the skill level you know, difference in a different way.
3: I have to jump in here. There's this really heartwarming video that you can watch of Mumford & Sons, playing the same song from I think it was south by Southwest they're playing outside of a pizza shop and people are jamming out they're enjoying it but it's like mm-hmm. maybe a hundred people that are listening to them play the mm-hmm. cave and then mm-hmm. a year later they are playing in front of this gigantic crowd at this at London yeah. or something like that and they're playing the same song mm-hmm. and you just hear like he strums the first note and he looks up and people are going crazy. And you like you can see the raw emotion on his face yeah. of knowing that he made it. So yeah, I think that yeah.
0: that's... that's awesome. Yeah. What a fantastic feeling that must be for him. And, you know, watching that growth too, if you're a fan, is like super, super exciting
2: as well. One of the things that I'm liking about your idea of sort of trying to digitize this and get it up on YouTube or something like that, create a channel around it is kind of what Chris said is how are you going to gather those fans together. So one way of doing is, oh, that you don't they don't all have to be fans. So I'm just like a good taco or a good pinball game or something. But another direction is no, they're actually really great fans. It's just they don't have to be in your hometown. Like they could be in yeah. you know, Seattle or, you know, the middle of Idaho or whatever. And to find a thousand people like that in that respect is a lot easier. So I like this aspect. And that may be part of the way that you find revenue generation another point on that i have a friend he used to do this blogging now he's doing his phd so he't enough t- enough time to do it but he used to be one of those guys that like finds new artists they send you send your cd and he listens to it and he critiques it okay. and he has kind of like a new music what's the cutting edge thing and i think that building something like this and doing it online you get in touch with those bloggers that they wanna be yeah. the person that finds the next big thing, right? Absolutely. So yeah. they can be the first blogger that you know started blogging about them. And there's gotta be a hundred at least, or thousands of those, but there's gotta be like a good hundred of those that are influential bloggers that would like seriously love to tune into this YouTube channel, you know, every week or whatever and see if they can pick out the one so they can write an article about it or start following them or get their next album. So I kind of feel like talking to listeners, you know, about steps they can take, reaching out to potential partners and thinking about how you can bring more power to this. I think that's a useful step. Uh, Yeah. To
0: go back to your question, Chris, about could it be power just with the musicians? I mean, I think realistically it would have to function as a place that people can go and whether it's a taco or something else, you know, and have a beer and a drink and be able to generate some money that way. But in my mind, what I'm envisioning is really a place I've been fooling around with a name for it. Okay, I'll run it by you guys. Do you let me know what you think? So, so I was thinking of calling it We The Music.
2: What do we think about that? Is that a little cheesy? (laughs) I don't have anything against it. I kind of like it. We The Music. Yeah. I also think if you say We The Music, there's something to say after it. Like, why We The Music? we the music because we're independent musicians and we're, you know, fighting Mm -hmm. for our ability to get somewhere or something like that. Yeah. I like putting it together with like a brand uh, phrase or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What
0: I'm envisioning is like when somebody talks about independent music and open mics and live music venues in New York city for unsigned artists, like I want this to be the top of mind thing that jumps up, you know, I, I'm not necessarily interested in just kind of opening up a small open mic spot. Like I wanted to have some promotion and some advertising and some energy behind it to be able to generate enough people going to perform at the open mics. But then, Chris, just like you go to the open mics for stand-up because you love stand-up, I want this to be the place that people go to support live music. And I think my idea is a bit more grandiose than maybe I initially let on. (laughs) But that's kind of what I'm picturing.
3: No, I I love the idea. And I I think it's a really interesting thing to talk through because it's a case where there's very clearly a need for something like this on a lot of sides. And what's not clear is how do you sustain the business? And there's this kind of tension between the capitalism world that we live in and the human connection needs that we have. And Ethan talked about it as like the impresario you put a, a production on and you think of it as art even. So I think that there's a lot of value in being able to untangle a business idea like this and trying to think through what action steps, how you can make it. You're basically like, you want to become world famous as quickly as possible with this place, which is, you know, I, <laughs> I think that's the thing to go for is you want We The Music to be known. At the very least, New York City. Things. Yeah. Well, famous to New York, right? Or, and that's how it starts. But you want We The Music to be known for that. One idea that comes to mind is if you could randomly, right, you don't tell people, get a big name act to come in and play, right? And it becomes this place yeah. where people are like underground, you hear. I like this. Ellen John is coming to, to play We The Music yeah. tonight, right? That's something that <laughs> yeah. happened in New Orleans. I know there's a place called Howling Wolf and uh, like the text messages start going crazy by people in the know right? Who started mm-hmm. saying like, Oh, I think that there's a rumor that this person's coming, but if you make it such mm-hmm. that it's not yeah. advertised and people really have to be like mm-hmm. ravenous about,
0: yeah. Plugged about, in. about yeah.
3: going into we, the music all the time, then that's one way to build that deep like, desire for what yeah. you're offering.
0: That would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. That's a great idea.
2: I don't know if you have it locally where you are, Chris, but there's a thing at quite a few comedy open mics. Again, I I, like there's a parallel between these two things, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of comedy open mic projects in New York. It's sort of open mic. It's sort of like they do schedule like the up and comings. What they do is they'll have three or four up and comers who you may not have heard of, but they're pretty darn good. And then the last one is like a secret special guest. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like what you're saying, Chris, it's like, you don't, but you don't know who it's going to be. But you're excited to be there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's somebody that's doing the Daily Show a lot. Or maybe they've done like some walk-on things on Conan O'Brien or one of these late night shows. And they're pretty great. So incorporating that kind of aspect, I think, could be super powerful, right? Because you could, Mm. you know, some of these big artists are really interested in, you know, playing a part. in what's the next thing? David Byrne comes to mind, you know. David Byrne's been doing so many cool things in music from The Talking Heads you know, his whole life. And he's always kind of like partnering with some new musician that's just upcoming. So, hmm.
3: I like that because musicians, the impression that I get at least is they want to help each other up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Something that's 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 already aligned with their values, their goals, they recognize how difficult it was for them to get to where they are. And they see that this is a missing step for new people who can be talented.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Let's try and dive more into some actions for our listeners here. What are some things that listeners can do to explore this idea, to vet it further, to
0: make some progress on it? So I have a friend of mine who's a restaurateur who's opened a handful of restaurants and I would be involved with him simply because I've never opened a restaurant. So I would need some help with the financials on that side of it. But as far as listeners, what they could do to help, well, like I said, I think a partnership with Spotify would be really nice. To your point, it would give us some access to some artists. It would give us support financially, one, but also with them being able to promote stuff, it would be really, really nice. So if anybody works for Spotify or knows people at Spotify, that would be a nice thing to be able to talk to somebody about what about researching
3: specific locations that could support a venue like this, mm. building up word of mouth and a community beforehand of local yeah. people who would be interested in music, trying to reach out to big-name artists directly or the publicists. Someone manages these artists' Twitter account, right? Sure, yeah. Probably not going to get everyone not going to get most of the people to try and message, but you may be able to attract <laughs> sure. some attention, and it gets you a chance to practice your pitch, right? To tell the story of yeah, very um, true, yeah, why we the music is needed, and yeah, uh, what it's trying to accomplish, and how it's going to pave the way for future musicians coming through. So I think those are important aspects to get started. That's not so dependent on you know hitting a home run. If you land Spotify, if you can write an email, you can get in front of Spotify, make a video, whatever. And you can yep. draw them in, of course, that's huge. That would be super valuable, mm-hmm. but that's a home run to go for. And there sure. are other steps that you can take that is, are, yeah. you know, <laughs> singles and doubles that can yeah, make progress true. on this idea.
0: Yes, somebody had the idea that I could kind of, you know, approach a venue that currently doesn't have an open mic and see if I could organize one and run one with this in mind. And I've thought about doing that, but it lacks some of the aspects of this that I really want, which is to have everything kind of tied in, in a very meaningful way. But I think that's still a good idea. But there's still some things that you could probably learn from that experience, right? For sure. Yeah. So that's something else, you know, if anybody's listening and. Is is at a venue or knows about a venue that is looking to set something like that up? That might be a nice first step.
3: Another action that comes to mind is reach out to smaller musicians and ask them, what's your current process for booking open mic nights? How do you find them? Is this difficult for you, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you can do something that reduces the amount of time musicians need to spend on this process, then that's valuable for them. There's more time for them to practice their music and whatever else they're doing.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that's coming up here and is feeling a little bit insurmountable is the idea that you kind of want to make a big production, right? And so it's like, well, how do you start small? So I do think this idea that keeps coming up about searching for partners, sponsors, getting a few different sponsors or partners together. So I think a step one could be figure out your budget. So what do you need to put on a production like this? I've done some video production, live streaming, stuff like that just for video, it could be anywhere from a few thousand to 10,000, you know, $20,000 just so like you could rent equipment, but you could get it all done and get it done really well. So you put together a budget. What equipment do I need to put this on? Anybody can do that. If you don't know the details, just talk to an AV expert and they'll help you figure out what kind of budget you need to put this on. Let's just pretend you have to rent equipment. Then you partner with an existing bar that has a relatively good reputation and has some good acts that come through. And then maybe you also reach out to those bloggers that we were talking about, the ones that want to know who's up and coming and they want to be the first to know. And maybe those people have enough followers, where they'd actually pay you know, mm-hmm. to kind of get an eye into what's going on like A&R style. But I like this idea of finding an existing partner that's already in the space. I think Red Bull is one of them if it's not, you know, whatever brand you mentioned earlier, Red, they're very into, or they used to be into sponsoring up and coming artists and things like that. They say, hey, I want to build this project. Like, are you interested in funding it as a promotional opportunity? You know, just going to a few of these brands that are already doing it and and seeing it. If you could raise 10, $20,000, you're pretty good where you could do one event and try to make, Something big of it, and then you know see where it goes from there. You don't have to make the huge commitment until you see so you're talking about putting on a production for one night
0: and seeing if I can get it sponsored by whatever anybody really, and just have a large open call open mic or one night,
2: yeah, it could be, or it could be open call or you could do maybe you start with this because I feel like a project's like this you can't just start with people literally nobody's ever heard of. But you could gather some of those, the buzz, the people who have a buzz about them in New York and sort of do almost like a battle of the bands or something. Mm -hmm. But you're going to live stream it and then maybe there's some sort of voting process. Mm -hmm. And you highlight as an audience those folks that have the most invested in finding new artists, be them bloggers or A&R representatives at record companies or things like that. We haven't talked too
3: much about the restaurant aspect of this idea, but I do think that You would need to get that right, especially in a place like New York where rent's expensive. You need to have good food. The reason I think about this is there are a lot of people out there who will show up at a restaurant just because it's new and they want to try it, right? So I think that there's a little bit of momentum that you can gather just from that. And if you have good food and they come in and prompt service, fair prices, they'll have a good experience, right? Yeah. And the music doesn't necessarily need to be the main draw. And we talked about this. Is can you support enough people just from the people who are there just for the music? doesn't need to be, right? The uh, mm-hmm. other thing that comes to mind, backing up to the YouTube idea, streaming live to YouTube, research who has done this before, if anyone has done this before. There are probably venues out there who are attempting something similar to this. Yeah, I know for a fact that there is one in New Orleans. It's not quite the same thing, but mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of being on stage at like 2 a.m. for a martini. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, it's, it's a karaoke bar, but they stream it live onto the internet, and anyone can go see it. Oh Lord, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that. I mean, uh-huh. it's not the best music, especially. Yeah, you know, it's 2 a.m. People are sure intoxicated and trying their best. drinks deep, yeah. yeah. Adele impression. Yeah, doesn't work so <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> the reason I say that is there's a place in the world somewhere who is attempting something similar to this. And yeah. you can learn something from them, right? So, if there's a place in Las Vegas who is streaming their acts, call them up, find out, you know, what kind of numbers they're getting from it. They'll be
2: happy to share that. They're not going to compete with you in New York, right <laughs> of course yeah i'll just interject this oh, go ahead yeah and that is that i bet you there are bars that are live streaming things like this right but they're all over the country what if you did like a national competition where you had streams from different bars and so you would get like the local bar rooting for their person people from that state would be rooting for their state you know oh oh that's a great idea and then what you do is instead of having one stream from one location It's like a battle of the bands where you stream from LA and then you stream from New York and then you stream from Austin, you know, and then you stream from Atlanta. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's an awesome idea.
2: Yeah. That would be low investment, you know, as far as funds goes, you just had to sort of organize it. And I bet you all of those individual venues would be Mm -hmm. interested because there's leverage there in having an event. They get the exposure from all these different audiences. I like it.
0: Of course. Yeah. Why not? There's a bar in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I lived in Connecticut before Brooklyn. And there's a bar in Bridgeport, Connecticut that does an open mic that streams it to YouTube. And as far as I know, it's been around for quite some time. I've been at that open mic, I don't know, five or 10 times maybe. But So there's definitely places that are doing it. But I really like that idea of developing a network of places that are doing it and being able to show backs from each of the places. And yeah, like you said, having people cheer for their own state or city. That's an excellent
2: idea. I'm curious and this may be the totally wrong route to go but what parallels if any do you imagine there are between the process of you starting your business within, you know, dental practices and starting this? Do you think there are any similarities? You know, where would you draw them?
0: Yeah, you know, I think finding a location, getting construction done, managing costs, projections, all that stuff. I mean, that'll be exactly the same. The big difference is the dental thing was done purely for profit. I have no passion about dentistry. I know very little about dentistry, even at this point, honestly. It was only a numbers thing, you know, X amount of dollars to open these locations and get the construction done and staff them. And all that would carry over to this. The part that would be obviously different is that I'm significantly more passionate about this and it's not a purely for profit
2: venture. That's good, though, because I think that brings out some steps that we haven't explicitly stated or we just mentioned a little bit. Searching for a location, creating a budget, getting the materials together, planning the construction. Yeah. You know, clearly, because one of the things that we do with the show is like a listener could start taking actions, right, to sort of prove their worth that they're engaged in this. So if they came together, they drew up a budget, they had five locations that they had scouted out, Mm -hmm. they had contacted a certain amount of partners, They figured out how much money you needed to make to break even and they had a way to make it. You know, is it subscriptions Do people buy tickets? Do you have advertising? Is it sponsored? You know, even Mm -hmm. just drawing up all the plans in that case, it's doable. And if you did it, it's pretty clear you're serious and that you could help take this to the next step.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I apologize for that part. I'm kind of taking all that initial stuff a little bit for granted because it, I'm much more comfortable in handling that stuff and dealing with it. So it's not as interesting for me to talk about. Exactly, I'm more interested in talking about the stuff that I know very little about. <laughs> so I can kind of get a better handle on it. But yeah, all the things you said would certainly be critical. I mean, you know, I have a little bit of a sense. I think I need about 800,000 to a million to kind of outfit this place the way I would want to outfit it. I think I need about 2,500, 3,000 square feet in a location. That's kind of the starting place that I'm at, I guess. Yeah. I think a basement might be really nice. Yeah, I think it'd be nice to have an extra space for maybe a smaller stage. Like you were saying at the creek, what was the name of the open mic place? The river and the creek, the creek and the river? The creek and the cave. The creek and the cave, that's the one. Yeah, so having two stages sounds nice too. But yeah, I haven't gotten too far in that. So if anybody wanted to take the reins on that stuff, it would be very helpful. Sometimes it's helpful
3: to circle back. And now that we've had the context of this conversation, what is the first step that you think a listener should take to act on this idea?
0: At the risk of going against what you were saying earlier, we're interested in actions and not words. But if you're genuinely interested, just reach out and tell me what your thoughts are and why you're interested. There's certainly some legwork that needs to be done without investing money, that would just be an investment of time. Certainly a location is one. Certainly trying to find some partners and sponsors would be too. So those kinds of things would be nice.
2: But also if you're genuinely interested, I mean, yeah, let's have a conversation and we could take it from there. Great. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, just good to know, even aside from you, Arthur, that if people are looking to work with an entrepreneur who has some experience in starting projects and managing things, you know, there's a lot of people who are open that they kind of just are ready to have someone up on their next project, right? And helping out and they'll be able to absorb what's coming in. So I think it's an interesting opportunity, yeah. especially for those people that are at all interested in entertainment, music, and the business side of things. For sure. Yeah.
0: And we didn't talk about this at all, but I really like the idea of being able to audition hosts for these open mics and kind of develop a personality that would kind of just host all these things and be able to be kind of a face for it. So if you're interested on that front, then yeah, reach out as well.
3: Awesome. Yeah, those are incredible opportunities to be able to work with you, Arthur, who you've had a lot of business experience and now you are taking all of that great experience that you developed in dentistry and applying it to something that you're really obviously passionate about. So I imagine that this will take off. It's clear that it's something that the world needs. Again, so listeners, if this is something that you're interested in, please email us at update at runwithit.fm. If you take some action, follow through on the steps that we've talked about here. Yeah, we'll connect you with Arthur. I appreciate that. Who would be happy to offer you a free one-hour mentoring session and potentially a business partnership that you guys can set up. So, Arthur, thank you very much for the conversation.
0: Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, a lot of good ideas. Thanks.
3: Sure. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? You can talk about your music, your Twitter handle, anything you like.
0: Yeah, I have some original music. It's on Spotify, everywhere. Everywhere that music is, the name of the band is Comrade, C-O-M-R-E-D, and Comrade Music on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, songwriter stuff. Cool. I think it's lovely. You can decide for yourself. Great.
3: Well, thank you so much, Arthur. Really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate it, guys. And looking forward to talking to you later.
1: Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers, and one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started.